Good morning, listeners. This is Citizen U, a forum where we explore issues and meet people in order to help you make a difference here in our county. I'm your first Wednesday of the month host, Dan Jurdy, a Mendocino County Supervisor. On the third Wednesday of the month, your host is Ukiah Mayor and, and Councilmember Mari Roden. With California's early presidential primary voting beginning in February, candidates are now announcing for office, including local offices like County Supervisor. Here on KZUX, shows like TKO with Karen Audubonny do a terrific job of interviewing candidates. Here on Citizen U, I won't be interviewing candidates or talk about campaigns, but I do hope to bring people onto public radio who can bring you insider views of how local government really works. That behind-the-scenes perspective should be helpful for all of us voting in local elections, and also helpful for the candidates, assuming they listen to public radio. Last month, just weeks before he publicly announced he would not be seeking another term, we talked with 1st District Supervisor Glenn McGordy. Glenn provided a terrific overview of his work as a county supervisor, including his special focus on water and economic development. If you missed that conversation, you can look it up on the KZOX website or wherever you listen to podcasts. Today, I've asked a community member onto the show who can provide some historical context to the job of county supervisor. Kendall Smith served as county supervisor from 2005 through 2012. Prior to that, from 1979 to 1997, Kendall worked for the Mendocino County Public Health Department. Then from 1997 through 2004, she worked as the Mendocino County Field Representative for Mike Thompson. When Thompson represented the North Coast in the State Senate and then the House of Representatives. It's my opinion that with her county, state, and federal experience, Kendall was one of the best prepared people ever to enter the job of Mendocino County Supervisor. Welcome, Kendall. Great to be here, Dan. Thanks for having me. Okay, your audio is a little low. I'm, I'm bringing up the volume. Okay. Uh, is there anything you'd like to add about your background? I think really you covered it, and and uh, I I guess I would emphasize my time working for uh, then State Senator Mike Thompson, and then eventually uh, at his position for the House of Representatives. I had a, a good opportunity to get to know multiple agencies that interface with ultimately the county in many cases. So I think that was probably some of my best preparation, as well as knowing what it was like to be a county employee. That I think that was important for the job, and other previous supervisors had also brought that experience. But there weren't very many of us. Liz Henry was also a county employee before she was uh, elected in the 4th District to the Board of Supervisors. So I do think it did provide some, some good background for the job. Okay, great. And um, I just wanted to give a, a little bit of context for the listeners of the, the size of the county budget. And and, uh, and doing that, I'm going to kind of contrast it with the cities because, well, a third of us live in, in one of the cities. And, and I would say that our cities are not... Um, <laughs> overflowing with money, but I think it's interesting to see how much underfunded the county is compared to the cities. So the four cities have 420 employees. They have about $144 million in total budgets. That comes out to about $4,800 per resident of the of the four cities. The county has 1,200 employees. Uh, that's about $3,800, about $1,000 less per uh, county resident. And the, the, within our county, the four cities all have a half-cent voter-approved sales tax to maintain the city streets. 
they're all improving because of that sales tax. And the county doesn't have a voter-approved sales tax. And the county is trying to maintain 1,300 miles of county roads, and it can't do it with the money it has. The county, by comparison, is almost the size of Rhode Island and Delaware combined, 3,878 square miles. The four cities are 12 square miles in size. So, I, um, I, and finally, the county budget, it's, today it's about $370 million. And of, of that, about $70 million is discretionary local dollars, uh, the rest being state and federal and, 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 very, and restricted funds. Um, and of the unrestricted funds, the $70 million, a majority of it goes to the criminal justice system. So I just wanted to give that context um, for the audience to kind of get a sense for you know, how constrained the county budget really is. There's really not a lot of margin for error. Um, and so, Kendall, when you entered the job, um, what were some of the things that you expected about the job that turned out to be true? Uh, that things would not happen quickly that uh, you needed to build, uh, if not consensus on the board, you needed to work diligently to get a majority uh, vote on any issue that you wanted to, uh, to bring forward. And that's very different than being a, a, a solo elected person to some, to some degree, where you are not as much uh, an independent actor. You're on a, you're on a very small body uh, of decision makers, so I believe that that was um, that was was really a challenge to to bring things forward and bring them to fruition. Be it a county policy or something specific for your district. Um, one other comment I wanted to make on your I, I think you did a good job of of kind of outlining the, the the budgetary challenges of the county versus the cities and one um, one fact I always remembered from our transportation director Howard DeShield is he often said at, at difficult meetings when we were talking about as you mentioned the lack of funds for our basic infrastructure of roads throughout the county he used to say, well, always remember that Sonoma County has roughly the same amount of county roads in their uh, in their pool of of, um, of road uh, infrastructure for the county. They have roughly the same that Mendocino has, but they have literally twice as much revenue of the revenue stream to deal with those roads. So I think that's a very illustrative like comment about what we are dealing with in a very rural and not uh, not a very wealthy county. Exactly, yeah. And so for clarification, they have, what you're saying is they have, as you understand it, about double the money per road mile to spend in their dedicated yeah. road funds. The county of Mendocino, or I should say the county of Sonoma has about five times the population of Mendocino County, and they have seven times the general fund discretionary dollars. <laughs> so so that right. kind of, that's exactly. reflected in your saying when it comes just to the road funding, they have twice the road dollars per square mile or per linear mile of roads. And a lot of that links to the the gas tax, which pays for the majority of road infrastructure. And it goes from and the public doesn't often realize this. It goes from the point of sale of the gas. So um, uh, um, it it you know it uh, it it's not. Um, it it doesn't work well for for rural counties. Um. 
And then, so Kendall, let's talk a little bit to sort of the onboarding. So you yourself had actually been a county employee, and so you were onboarded years ago with the um, public health department. And then there was, you know, there is some limited onboarding, and I'd like to hear what you felt like, what it was like for you um, when you became a county supervisor. And at the time, you had your own independent clerk of the board's office, and um, and I think there was a sort of tradition there of maybe a little more onboarding than is, has always been the case since it's been part of the CEO's office. Can you just describe what that's like to say, hey, you're you're now a county employee. What's it like to be a county supervisor? Well, I think there were some definite, there were clearly some definite um, differences for sure. Um, you know, being a county employee, it was very prescribed and, and I worked primarily on the coast, but I also had the uh, the opportunity to do trainings and other uh, levels of work inland from time to time. So it, it was a very different time because it was, you know, many, many decades ago now. But becoming a county supervisor, it was really, you know, you were really um, uh, on your own, especially the coastal supervisors that need to make a very long commute to get to the county seat, and that that was that's always been a challenge. I believe those the mountainous divide, both in getting interests on um, and bringing forward uh, uh, agenda items and policies that will work for the coastal populations, because there are only two two uh, supervisorial districts on in the coastal range, um, so. There were there are challenges about um, accessing uh, support and committees and things like that, and of course back you know years ago there were not we didn't have Zoom meetings everything was done in person so there were lots of challenges just the extra time you needed to spend to really represent your district was was something that I was aware of and and you really feel it as you you kind of move through a year of doing that work you really are giving it your all many many hours because you have all the commute hours on top of uh, the actual work hours and um, but working on that support for coastal issues and needing to get the support of at least one inland supervisor has always been something that's that's talked about as as a challenge for coastal interests. So, uh, Kendall, just on part of that onboarding, so when you were there again, it was the clerk of the board, and, and Christy Furman was, I think, the clerk then, and she, and she was, by the time I came on, she was working for the executive office, but she had that institutional knowledge. She had, I remember she had a very thick binder that she gave me and kind of went through it, and I thought it was a helpful onboarding. Um, later, I don't know that all the supervisors who came on later had that, <laughs> because there was no one who had that experience like she had, um, but... And then CSAC, the County Association of California Counties, has uh, a number of trainings that people can go to, whether they're county employees or county supervisors. Were, were there some other other orientations, trainings that you went to um, that that you know made you more aware of how counties are financed and that sort of thing? Yeah, and it was I, to me a much better model to have the clerk of the board and the clerk of the board staff. Uh, be part of the board of supervisors in in with that direct 
um, direct hiring and and support for personnel, and that that changed when the clerk of the board was moved into the executive office. I think that did not help supervisors get the support they needed in terms of background work on issues, uh, knowing kind of what, how the agenda was going forward. It always had to be um, a back and forth relationship with the executive office, of course. But I believe that something was lost in terms of getting getting on board uh you really needed some a direct person or persons to kind of fill you in on all the various things of being at the county seat and who the department heads were and where all the offices were located and things like that if you if you had not been a county employee that that is a whole new ball game so i believe it was far more supportive to the supervisors to have that that kind of institutional knowledge that kind of was right there for them to to uh, take in, and I, and I know it really helped me when I got there to be able to have that reference point. And so I think it was it it was not a good thing that the clerk of the board was lost to the board of supervisors and put under the CEO. And I didn't support it at the time. That change happened late in my tenure on the board of supervisors. It's not it's not something I supported. Well, of course, there's things that happen due to budget reasons, and as I mentioned, there's there's not a lot of <laughs> extra money in the county budget, so I don't know if that's ever going to change back. But, but um, in at, at least during the time I've been a supervisor, and I don't know if it existed then, but um, there are, there are these trainings at the California State Association of Counties where you can select different cl- courses to attend. They're typically one day courses, and um, they've had I felt some very helpful workshops, and I'm just asking if you if they offered those at that time where it may be on uh, contract negotiations and just what that's like as as an elected official or as an or as a personnel office or uh, it might be on the history of realignment where where state programs are shifted to county government and then the state gives the county hopefully enough money to implement the program and the history of that and i remember a presentation by a former finance director for the state of california giving that presentation so i don't, I don't know did did you encounter those trainings? I don't know if they were offered back then. Yes, they were, and I went to several of the the CSAC uh, new supervisor trainings, and they were multi-day trainings back then. I think there were a few series of them, but I found them extremely valuable because it 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 gave you a, a, the big picture of state funding mechanisms and some of the standard ones that are that are direct. Uh, where the county is a direct recipient, the county's responsibilities under state mandates. I mean, you talked about that a few moments ago in terms of the services the county needs to provide that the cities don't. The big one that comes to mind when I think about that is the whole realm of social services and mental health. Those are huge issues, and they're huge issues that impact every corner of our county, and they become a county responsibility, and the cities are not directly, at least, involved with those. So that's a huge mandate that the county has and as we know there have been ever really decreasing funds to deal with ever increasing uh, issues that that the communities need so that that was a big one and that that I think till this you know 
even currently is a huge issue for the county. I think when you mention these trainings, probably now there are a lot more of them that are available by Zoom, and there's many, you know, the technology's changed. Whereas when I was there, it was all, everything was in person, and there were regional ones, and there were statewide ones. So, yes, there were great resources, and I feel like it really helped me uh, get get involved. And I did get involved with some CSAC uh, committees. One was on, I believe, um, I think it was a climate change one. I, I don't remember the specifics, but I did get involved with some of the actual work CSAC did in the beginning when I was on the board. And we should probably talk about that because um, members of the public may or may not be aware that county supervisors are are and city council members are on many committees. Um, maybe a little less in number if you're a council member than if you're a county supervisor, but the county has appointments to committees that are here in the county, committees that are regional in the, on the North Coast, and then as, and then assignments that are statewide. And mm-hmm. um, and some of them are just sort of random things that come up where maybe the state wants some input from, a, from local supervisors on a regional sort of short-term project. And so maybe you could talk a little bit about those uh, because you and I have both served on some of those regional committees that, um, and I, I expect that you, you were more or less familiar with a lot of those organizations um, in your previous jobs. Yes, I, I mean, I certainly did know about many of those from my, my work in the state Senate, and then uh, when uh, Congressman Thompson was in the House of Representatives, so I was able to become more uh, more aware of Veterans Affairs. That was a good one, because it really helped me understand some of the challenges for veterans in this in this county, and I tried to work closely with the veterans rep for um, for Mendocino County that helped uh, get, provide direct services to our local veterans. So so that really had helped me kind of understand that, and I always tried to work closely with that uh, individual or individuals over time. Um, one thing that does come to mind, Dan, that I just thought of is I was involved with the National Association of Counties, sort of like the California uh, version of that, CSAC. So NACO, the National uh, Association of Counties, I w- got onto a committee, and we were able to get um, through this environmental committee uh, a recommendation for a ban on um, single-use plastic bags. And we, we uh, at, the, at the national conference, we, our committee, took that, and I was the spokesperson. We brought it to the body, and it was voted on and approved as a national policy for the counties that that counties should work towards banning single-use plastic bags. Now, of course, California is more ahead of that than many other places in the country, but I felt like that was something that was a positive that actually took from a county leadership position to something that had some national significance of a policy to try to bring forward um, uh, that issue on the national stage. And then at the at the state level, I mean, there were many, uh, many committees that, that happened that I was part of. I was on the demonstration um, uh, statewide committee, demonstration forest uh, citizens group uh, that met uh, occasionally to try to advise uh, CAL FIRE on uh, policies for forestry. I was uh, part of that. And um, also on the Salmana restoration issues and working with regional partnerships to try to 
bring attention to the watersheds in the coastal region. I believe it went from Trinity County all the way through Sonoma and trying to access funds for stream restoration and appropriate water use technologies that would help small water districts, you know, and things that you, you know, you probably also worked on. That And that was a very positive partnership because it was real. It was, you know, relatively local and it really brought resources through the partnership to our region. And so maybe we could talk about that. So another aspect of the job of county supervisor is they are elected from a distinct district, and each district in the county has its own issues and its own land terrain, its you know, its geography is they're different. And in the fourth district, which you represented and then I have, um, it's it's got a good amount of Mendocino County's Redwood Forest within it, um, obviously uh, Noyo Harbor, and so there's some unique characteristics to the fourth district. Um, again, each district has its own. And I think once, one thing that's interesting to look back upon in the last three decades um, during the, that took place during the terms of the last three supervisors, that a significant number of, you know, thousands and many thousands of acres, hundreds of thousands of acres of, of corporate timberland that was pretty severely overcut has over time been acquired by new property owners. And whether they are for-profit or non-profit, they've really brought in a different mission of restoration of those forests, even if their mission includes harvesting of some timber. And um, maybe you could talk a little bit about um, your role in, in some of that in the 4th District. Yes, I mean, I think that's a very good point. And, and getting on the board, I was able to uh, understand in a, in a fuller sense the resources of our amazing county. And it's every... Every district, supervisor or district within the county has has substantive and and clear uh, resources that are uh, of such value to our quality of life and to our economy here. So the fourth district, as you mentioned, uh, is particularly a one of of wide swaths of forests that are mainly in state ownership, being Jackson Demonstration State Forest, and also uh, private holdings that have that have kind of merged into the public sphere. I'm thinking of the intertribal Sinkion Wilderness Area that has came out of, as you said, that overcut uh, era of uh, the commercial timber interests in the county. And then the Redwood Forest Foundation, a nonprofit, uh, secured private funding through Bank of America to obtain large holdings of uh, approximately 50,000 acres, which is a not-for-profit, now uh, community-managed forest. And I was asked to be on the board of directors shortly after I uh, assumed my role on the board of supervisors. So I became a member of the board of uh, directors of the Redwood Forest Foundation, commonly referred to as REFI, and was on that until uh, 2019. So after my uh, time, my tenure on the board of supervisors, I stayed on that uh, that board. I felt and do still feel it's a very important entity to reframe how we are looking at forestry within uh, the county and within the state. And so if you add up all of the acreage of public holdings, nonprofits, things that Save the Redwoods League has done, the Nature Conservancy, the private landowners that are uh, 
receiving carbon credits, carbon sequestration for trees that they are not harvesting. That's also become a very um, a very big uh, thing in Mendocino County for private timber holders. So the whole timber uh, view has really, as you mentioned, really changed over the decades, and I think it's it's definitely going in a positive direction. And really, most of those holdings, not exclusively, but most of them, are in the fourth district. And then another unique characteristic of the fourth, although of course Point Arena has its own um, port, um, the Noyo Harbor fishing fleet is the the biggest fleet in Mendocino County, and uh, so that fleet is you know been constrained due to um you know fishing conditions out on the ocean and regulation etc and but the harbor itself has maybe become more vibrant and and the industry it seems to me it's it's shifted over time where more and more of the fisher people are selling direct to consumers try to get more added value added to their product Mm -hmm. And and really, Noya Harbor, in a lot of ways, is probably never. Well, I don't know, I would say it's never been as bustling as, but not in many decades has it been as as vibrant as, as it is today. At least for the for the member of the public who goes down there. Yes, I I agree, and and uh, it's always a positive thing to be able to get uh, fish directly from those that uh, uh, the fisher people that co- that get the fish, and I've done that many a time, and many visitors do that as well as local residents. So yes, I I think that the harbor is in in several different ways is trying to look towards new ways, innovative ways to provide services to the public and have them be value added and try to support local jobs and it's always a draw for those visiting of course and so i think that there are some positive things happening there there still could be there could be more uh things that that could really support the harbor but i think I agree. I think that it's it's definitely moving in in a in a better direction with the direct um, resources going from the 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 actual people that harvest the fish and then sell to the public. Yes, and of course, I think uh, Anna Newman, the the harbor master down there, is doing a fantastic job too. So um, it, a lot of this is also due to individual effort by individuals, elected yes. or appointed. Um, yes. So. Uh, Again, at the half-hour mark, I just wanted to note that this is uh, Citizen U, and today we're talking with um, a community member who served for eight years as a Mendocino County Supervisor. I'm your host, Dan Jurdy, and uh, a county supervisor today. And uh, we're just sort of knowing that there are people running for office, but most of us are not running for office, but we'll be voting for people. I thought it'd be helpful just to... um, Ask Kendall to come on and, and talk about her eight years as county supervisor and um, some of the things that she found that were unique to the job, to the fourth district, to the that were um, unique to that she expected, and then and then we'll talk about a, a few surprises um, about the budget about the job, and I think it mostly revolved around the ca- the county budget, um, and because it's my contention that no matter how well prepared anyone is for this job. There will always be surprises, and that's just part of the job. Um, so, uh, so is there anything else you wanted to talk about, Kendall, uh, about uh, the job that that you were pretty well expecting um, when you took it? Well, I, you know that I I knew that things would take time. 
to get in place, and so I was trying to have um, realistic expectations about what could transpire in a in a given period of, let's say, a year or even maybe an entire term on the board, which is four years. So, um, you know, I, I was prepared for that because I had done a lot of government work and I had actually been a, a county employee, so I knew how uh, things operated at the county. And so I think I was, I was realistic on, on that level. Okay. So let's talk about a, a couple of, I would say, budget-related surprises that came up sure. during your term and, 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 and have continued to come up. <laughs> they will always come up, I think, and that's related to the budget. Uh, only, only the supervisors who were in office in 2008 really encountered something that is maybe once in a generation. And that is, it's one thing to have a recession. Usually the typical things that go down is people spend less money and so there's less sales tax for a local government. But one things that, one of the things that's pretty unusual is to see a drop in property tax values, at least in California. And because of Prop 13, many pr- people have locked in assessments that are well below the market rate. So, um, but if someone purchased property pr- just prior to uh, a drop in the real estate market. And of course, in 08, it was a real estate-driven recession. Um, suddenly, you had almost the unthinkable, which was a, a, a dramatic decrease in property tax revenues along with the other revenue sources. And and the county, with which I think at the time had about $7 million in all of its reserves combined, very little. And uh, you know the and then you had this one sure bet source of revenue property taxes coming way down um it was you know really um something the county you know i think you'd probably say nobody was really expecting it and it, and it wasn't prepared for it so um maybe you could talk about just sort of that surprise that that came to all the supervisors and, and the county staff well yes clearly that was a huge uh imprint and uh, a big piece of my time on the Board of Supervisors was that economic collapse, 2008-9, that was, some, some people had predicted it, but it was rather, it had rather sudden, a sudden uh, appearance and, and, and uh, immediate consequences that then became rather long-lasting because they had impacts that lasted for several years. Uh, as you mentioned, the board, uh, the county uh, already had some serious financial constraints that they were looking at when this occurred. So it, that, that was a very challenging time, very challenging for county staff, uh, us wanting to be, of course, supportive of our county employees. That became extremely challenging with, you know, just clear, like going off the cliff with respect to funding. And one other aspect of that is that that economic collapse was so uh, dire and, and severe that it really impacted federal dollars flowing to the state and state dollars flow, flowing as well to the county. So indirectly, we had challenges with receiving some what, what we'd assume would be guaranteed federal dollars as well as, you know, flowing from the state in most cases. So those things all either were slowed or came to a standstill. And yet we still had the service delivery on the ground 
uh, that we were responsible for. So that create, created lots of stress for, you know, county government in general and, and the public as well to receive the services. So um, that was something that took us years to really climb out of. And uh, But back to sort of the surprise aspect, I, I think that... Uh, Mendocino County in general that I that I saw once I had been at uh, the county as a supervisor for a, a period of time was that the county really had not done a very good job about staying up to speed with new technologies and new best practices for both, you know, financial accounting, for service delivery, what technology could bring, let's say, to your planning department or to other services within the county because we have this wide, uh, disparate uh, disparate population centers and we have large swaths where, you know, even today that maybe Internet is not even very viable. So in order to bring the services to our population, which is not that large, but it is spread over a, a very large landmass. So right there, just based on that, provides uh, huge challenges that are um, that don't create a cost effectiveness. If we had the same population with a quarter of the square miles, it would be a lot easier to create services, deliver services in a more cost-effective manner. So we are always going to grapple with that. That's our, our uh, geography, and we just need to, to deal with that. But there are challenges in doing so. So, yes, it took years for the county and, and also the retirement system, which is based uh, largely on uh, delivering benefits with increases in the stock market. So both of those entities, and I served on the retirement board, as you, you do as well now, uh, we, you know, there were real challenges there as well about how to ride out the economic collapse and, uh, and, and still provide the benefits and solvency of the fund, you know, the largest economic collapse since the Great Depression. So, yeah, we really, that really, really uh, was a, a cloud over the entire time I was there with respect to trying to do positive things and bring positive changes forward when we were just trying to basically cover, um, you know, the essential services. And it was, it was, a, it was a big challenge. Yeah, and so before, we, maybe we could talk about the retirement system next, but right now I'd like to just talk a little bit more about you mentioned for example that the county hasn't always been the, on the leading edge of technology <laughs> i think that's safe to say uh we you know in the last few years and i'm sure during the time you were there you were in the board was investing in in technology um but in, in part that request needs to come from the department so sometimes the it department um requests things and sometimes depending on leadership there they don't and and sometimes there's money to fund it and sometimes there isn't um but at any rate, in the last few years, the board has invested about fifteen million dollars in uh, in in IT upgrades uh, to, throughout the county. One of the examples of that is we've switched from Novell Groupwise, a company most people have not heard of in a couple decades, to Microsoft Outlook for mm -hmm. the Office Suite, you know, that everybody else uses. Now the county mm -hmm. uses that system. Um, that improves the productivity of every county employee. In, uh, in anyway, in many many ways. Um, another thing is, uh, back in 2013, when I was first elected, I was in a meeting with 
um, it's not a public meeting, it was, but it was with uh, the CEO's office with the uh, elected auditor at the time, the elected treasurer at the time, and the elected um, clerk recorder at the time, all of whom have, have left office since then. And the, one of the items on, the, on the, that meeting dis- for discussion was that the CEO's office had become aware that the county's software, which it, it turns out had been donated by another county, it was so old, um, to maintain the property management, uh, you know, keeping track of everybody's property taxes, their, that, it, that it was really unstable and, and could collapse at any moment and needed to be upgraded. This is back in 2013. We, it, it's taken all of this time, <laughs> basically 10 years, to both budget and bring on a new software that, mm-hmm. that they knew probably many years before 2013 was out of date and unstable so uh, that, yeah there's always glitches when you have a new a major software transition it's not just a burden on on the it department but all the departments and the employees have to learn that new software system you know there's probably a hundred reasons why some of the departments might not have been that eager to to learn the new system and migrate to the new system but but that that's going to bring improvements over time to the county in its single large, largest source of revenue collection, which is on property taxes. And, and, and a function it provides, a service it provides to the, to the schools, because over half the property tax dollars, that when we write our property tax bill, it, it actually goes to the schools. It, it doesn't stay with the county. And, and, but the schools can't collect that. It's the county that collects it for them. And so, you know, it really, I, I'm glad that one of the things that the county is doing is, is, upgrading both the technology and and hopefully with um, the right pay compensation that we can fill those vacant positions that we can do a better job of of providing that service to all local governments in Mendocino County because it's the county that provides that service to other local governments but um, so so if you wanted if there were some other revenue surprises you wanted to mention but um, I think we probably should talk a little bit about sort of an ancillary to the the budget economic crisis of 2008 was sort of a, it sort of shined a light on on an you know awesome responsibility the county of mendocino has in that it, it it's the smallest county in california to run its own independent retirement system rather than just pay money into calpers for its employees and then calpers has to figure out how to you know manage those monies and and you know it's all that work all that responsibility rests with um, originally, um, it was resting with basically three people that were working part time. One of their many assignments in the treasurer's office, and at the time that you were supervisor, you were helping to move it out of kind of being an extra assignment to the treasurer's office to being its own uh, standalone, uh, although small, entity. Yes. Yes, that that was a change that really needed to happen for a number of reasons, and I worked um, very closely with our then interim uh, CEO, Al Beltrami, to work with uh, the Sonoma County uh, retirement system that had actually done a similar kind of divide, and so they had history of separating out those functions. And we were either the last one in the state or close to the end of the line of those in the independent retirement systems over the 19 under the 1937 uh, uh, pension plan for state. 
for the state. Those are all the uh, the counties that are not part of the CalPERS, the statewide retirement system. So the independent systems uh, all were going through this this sort of separation. We were sort of at the end of the line on that. And so I work with Al Beltrami to create um, uh, an overview and a proposal for the Board of Supervisors because that was the entity that had to vote to do the separation. And we we did successfully do that with a five to zero vote. And it it really gave the system uh, somewhat more autonomy and really put the the financial responsibilities evenly or appropriately, I guess I should say, divided with the County of Mendocino and the retirement system per the 1937 Act, which is the governing document for the system. So uh, that was a very important step. It's very good that we did that. And, um, you know, that... But this economic collapse was also going on as we were trying to, you know, navigate this this particular change. So, um, you know, I think that was that was definitely a positive action that came out of a t- time that I was there and working with the CEO and and uh, getting the board's concurrence that that was the direction we needed to go. And then there could be more independent actions coming from the retirement board itself. Yeah, and again, most all the cities in Mendocino County, um, their employees are enrolled in in a pension th- through their city, but with Calpers, and mm-hmm. and and many counties, um, all the counties smaller than Mendocino County um, in California, are also enrolled in Calpers, but the county of Mendocino is the smallest of the counties in California that has its own independent system, and so there, think about all the the complexity there that over time has really just become more complex. So a few decades ago, the investment side of the house for the retirement plan could almost be on autopilot because they could just put the money in bonds and know that they would ha- that they would have a guaranteed revenue source based on the bond yields. As bond yields went down in more recent decades, all pension systems have shifted quite a bit of money over to stock equities or other types of investments other than bonds. And so it's become a much more complicated, much less uh, investment portfolio. And that's just on the investment side that they have to get right. And it's been, and so originally, not that long ago, it was the elected treasurer and a couple people in that office working for the elected treasurer that were like an extra assignment of theirs was to do all of these things, everything from the investment side to making sure that they were estimating correctly the amount of money needed for each employee because it's a lifetime benefit once once they start collecting it and um, there's so many things that that you have to get right with the plan or you have what's called an unfunded liability that shows up and then the county is on the hook to pay 100 percent of the cost i.e the taxpayers 100 percent of the unfunded liability it never results in a reduced payment to the to the retiree it's a reduced um it's a re- it's just a reduced money in the county budget because you have to shore up the the unfunded liability in the in the plan, and so there are so many things that can go wrong. And so what's really happened, what I see happened in Mendocino County, it it left as this extra assignment in the treasurer's office to being a small but professional staff that are dedicated to this purpose, and and hopefully hopefully we're getting it right, you know, both on the investment side and on the benefit side. Um, so only time will tell. Yes, and and I think this is another example of, of, it's a good example of how there is no 
it's not value added to be a small uh, county and need to create a software system for your retirement system and to do all of these functions in the house as you just referenced that is it it is not an easy task and just like the road scenario and the monies to repair our roads and deliver social services to this huge landmass all of these things are cha- economic challenges and 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 staff challenges for a very uh, small population wise uh, rural county so just just to kind of fully you know look at this I believe because of that and my experience of being on the retirement board for eight years and seeing the challenges behind the scenes is really Mendocino County should have never been its own independent system. You can't, I don't think you can, especially as the system has grown and changed, adequately um, provide the benefits in a cost-effective manner, as we just referenced. I, it, it just would have been better had we entered the per system, I think, long ago. But be that as it may, I, I think that we, you know, the new board, the board that you're on, and the new direction, I, I think are really taking on some, um, making some good forward progress. We did some things when I was there. We changed the auditor. We changed the actuary. We changed our investment managers. I mean, we made a lot of changes as moving into the independence phase, as we called it, being a separate entity from the county of Mendocino. And I think the board you're on and the new this last 10 years, there have been some other important strides towards, you know, accountability and towards better fiscal management. So I think... You know, I think it it it's it's going in the right direction, but again, it's not a cost-effective model to to have a small system uh, such as Mendocino's is. And and I'm not going to say that that there's um, uh, something that's currently going on in the county that's going to create um, an unfunded liability anywhere near on the magnitude that that it was created over time at the retirement system. And that we're hopefully, you know, getting ourselves out of out from under over the next couple decades. But, um, you know, it wouldn't surprise me <laughs> that the county of Mendocino has, you know, some outdated ways of of managing its fiscal resources. That over time, as as the as the fiscal management of the county professionalizes and changes and evolves, that people will continue to find things um, that you know, hey, there's a better way of doing this. Um, and that maybe sometimes you can be penny wise and pound foolish with with your resources. If you if you've maybe made something as an extra assignment for someone and it really needed to be maybe one dedicated full time or two full time people dedicated to that subject area. Right, and I think that 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 sort of also points back to a question you asked me a few minutes ago about surprises, and and I believe that there were and maybe continue to be um, layers of fiscal accounting at the county, layers of that that uh, impacts the budgetary process when it finally makes its way to the Board of Supervisors. And I found that there were a lot of smoke and mirrors in that process, and it was very difficult to really get to what were the real debts and what was the real, what were the hard numbers for the revenue streams and you know it was always sort of a a moving target and i think even uh at times our various ceos had had a difficult time really getting to the bottom of 
you know, compiling data from multiple departments and really getting a handle on cash flow issues. So I think this is this is a work in progress, and as you said, there there still may be some other uh, surprises coming along, but. All public pension plans are are challenged in the way that they really rely on uh, increases in the stock market over time to supply benefits. I mean that's a that's a key piece of how a public pension system, not just Mendocinos, are created. So you know there's upsides of that and downsides, and we we kind of over a ten year period you're going to experience all of that. Yeah, and just before we leave the retirement system again, I'm I, I I'm on the retirement board now, and I've been there for eight years. And again, we've been working on a lot of things having to do with sort of making sure that we're making the right contribution level from the employees and from the system. And and it's really it's to the point where I I don't think the county or the employees can contribute more. So at my last twenty months on the board, what I really want to focus on is is just to be as certain as we can be that that we've really done all that we can to perfect the investment portfolio uh, because there I don't see more money coming into the plan per employee and so um at a, at a meeting a few months ago, uh, our investment advisors who I respect and and like and they said, you know hey, now that bonds are going to be earning a little bit more than next to nothing <laughs> um maybe we should take out some of our stock investments and put it into bonds because there's a little more certainty um never 100 percent certainty in anything and and i and i asked the board and the board reconsidered their recommendation um to say well before we do that let's let's take a deeper dive into our stock investments because there are there's tools out there today um, portfoliovisualizer.com is a great website and and where you can look at the past performance 30 or more years sometimes for, for different mutual funds or um, which are collections of stocks um, and see how they performed. And, and what you find is that not all mutual funds have the same volatility as others. And what they were trying to do is reduce our volatility with bonds um, because there's payments going out every single month. And, uh, and maybe we, and so what the board is going to be looking at is are there, is there a, is there a different mix of our investment in stocks um, and not all of the stocks. Most of our stocks are the SP 500 index, but those that aren't, is there a different mix that we can make that has less volatility but still has basically the same performance and and better performance than bonds? And so we're going to be taking a deeper dive into that in the next several months. And you know, hopefully, hopefully the, at the end of the day, we'll we'll all be feeling as confident as we can that we've got you know the best possible investment mix um, that will give us you know, the most returns with the least volatility. Um, so on some other things about the county budget, again, again, I'm not trying to predict what, what the county's going to continue to find as it, as it um, you know, as the staffing of the county changes with, I would say, I've never seen so much effort by the whole board of supervisors during the time I've been on or the, or the um, CEO, and we have a new CEO, um, to really try to focus on creating um, a, a dedicated team of people in the executive office who are who are getting a better comprehensive understanding of the county budget as a whole, and I could be wrong, but I I think because for you know many many decades we had a CAO model where a lot of the power to control the budget to understand the budget was 
um, vested in each independent department. Some of those departments had their own revenue streams. Um, others were mostly dependent upon county general fund to fund those departments. That um, that the CEO, CAO's office and later CEO's office was largely dependent upon those departments to propose the best, most cost-effective budget for the general fund, you know, least burden on the general fund as possible. And what I'm seeing over time is we're, as the CEO's office is getting a, its own fiscal team, is that they're getting the knowledge of, of each department's over time and of those funding streams. And hopefully what comes out of that is um, not understanding and, and knowledge that each department is placing the least amount of burden that it can on the on these scarce general fund dollars that we talked about. These are the local dollars of tax dollars because they're not growing by that much. And that they're maximizing their use of state and federal dollars. My hunch is, and I, I can't prove this, but my hunch is that most people that go to work for the county, they go to work for a specific department. Sometimes people bounce around from department to department, but they mostly work in one department. And so they identify you know, they, they want their department to, to do every single thing it can do do for the public, which is great. But it, maybe it's their second, third, or fifth priority to make sure they're not placing a bigger burden than they, than they could on the county's scarce local tax dollars. And, you know, the mission of the, of the board and the, and, the, and the executive office is to maximize county services t- countywide. And to do that, you have to leverage those scarce dollars with state and federal dollars and not spend scarce counties dollars on a service if you could be using state dollars or federal dollars for it. So my hope is that that professionalism in the, in the fiscal team and that um, knowledge that they're gaining over time is, is going to result in a little more margin of safety in the county budget. Because I think right now it's, it's you know, as we've talked about it, during the time you were there, it was you had reserves of about one percent prior to the 08 crash. We have about three weeks of reserves operating expenses. You know, if there's another recession coming our way, I mean, it's it's such a tiny margin for error when other organizations, you know, might have six months of of operating expenses and reserves, and it, mm-hmm. you know, three weeks is nothing. <laughs> Right. I think this is absolutely the way the county needs to be going, and, and uh, it, it's, it's a challenge to do so. But nonetheless, that's, that's kind of the creative thinking and the uh, sort of multidisciplinary and, and cross-budget cross units and cross-departments. That's the kind of thinking that need, and I'm sure there's some more efficiencies that could, could actually come of that, like by using that kind of a model that you're talking about. So, I, yeah, I think that, that that's, I mean, for, for all the challenges Mendocino County has with the large swath of land and the multiple population pockets and, uh, you, know, re, you know, reduced or, you know, at the whim of state funding and federal funds, you know, we have to be so nimble and so uh, able to adjust constantly to to a ver- various climates out there that are happening that really we have no control over. So, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. That's that's kind of where it needs to go. And what I found when I first got to the county, and now that's, you know, we moved on, that's decades ago, it's changed, is that the, there just was a, a real reluctance to kind of move forward with new ideas. And I think you know, Mendocino County's sort of been forced into we've got we've got to do things differently, and so you know, positive things are slowly happening. 
Okay, Kendall, um, we're down to our last couple of minutes. Um, and sure. I, I do want to thank you. So, th- again, just a reminder, uh, we've been talking with uh, Kendall Smith. She was county supervisor from the 4th District uh, for eight years uh, prior to me being 4th District supervisor. And today we wanted to just talk a little bit about what the job of county supervisor is is really like. And um, because people are going to be running for county supervisor uh, we're all going to be voting for people who are running for county supervisor. And I, th- I think it would be, I just thought it would be helpful to kind of give a little background about what the job is, is really like from someone who you've, you have some distance now from it for the 10 years that you've been out of the job and, and um, you know, can kind of reflect on it. And are there any final thoughts you wanted to just uh, impart? Well, one thing is the the idea of uh, staff support for supervisors, and you and I have discussed this, and I realized early on when I went to trainings with other county supervisors when I first uh, was in in the seat, that that larger and even mid-sized counties have staff that support the supervisors, so they help with constituency services, following up, following up with people's issues, uh, doing research on, you know, funding sources and what are other counties doing in a realm of concern, and we don't have that here, and, and so every supervisor's doing, you know, answering all their own phone calls, calling their constituents back, researching things, you know, going in 10 directions at once. And I think it's important for the public to realize that, that really um, it's a it's a hands-on job and uh, five people are going to do it five different ways, but it really takes uh, concern and it takes time. And so think about that when you're, when you're, when you're thinking of the candidates running for these positions. Uh, how well suited do you think that person is to kind of go in 10 directions at once and work with fire departments as well as working with the fishing community or working with our veterans? Whatever the issues are, they've got to be able to be uh, very uh, flexible and be able to put in the time and the effort to uh, go in all those directions at once. So so that's one uh, reminder. And... Um, Dan, I think I misspoke about the gas tax and the point of sale. Maybe you could clarify that quickly. Well, just briefly, the federal gas tax is 18 cents a gallon, has not gone up since Bill Clinton was president. <laughs> it's lost right. half of its purchasing power since then. And the um, state has restored its level of funding since 1994. So so those are the two outside sources for funding county roads. And, um, and we're going to wrap up. And uh, okay. thank you so much, Kendall, for being on the show and sharing Absolutely. your experience. This has been a production of Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. KZYX, Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. You can find more content like this on our website at kzyx.org and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thank you for listening.